This is Purple Radio On Demand. Rosa, what are you doing? I'm going to hop out of the desk. You're going to what? I'm going to hop out of the desk. But no one can see you doing that. Wait, I'm going to video you do this. And like, we can have, I'll say like, oh, this is a video. Check our Instagram and that'd be funny. <laughs> Wait, no, we're not started yet. Don't film yet. Oh, okay. we, oh we've started. Hello. Hello! Welcome back to Behind the Curtain Podcast. <laughs> Looking behind the curtain at Rosa's funeral. <laughs> oh lord, she dead. Oh my gosh. Right, I am I'm Rachel. I'm a first year at Jason Butler College and I'm studying English Literature. Um, I'm Nate. I'm a first year at Jason Butler College and I'm studying Liberal Arts or nothing. Ooh. <laughs> 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 What's this? What's this? What's this? <laughs> It's, it's a normal person from Manchester. I lived! If a reference, see the, the, see the end of our previous podcast. I lived! She also just spent like a solid 15 minutes getting out from under the table and like <laughs> struggling to breathe. V- visual gags, famously the best, best thing for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm back, guys. I'm alive. Yeah. Um... I did canonically die last week um, in a kind of joking. freak accident the, um, with some bees. The yeah. summatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the bees did um, kind of like sort of bring some, some tiny little guns. <laughs> you, got, you got shot by bees. I was mugged by the bees. I lost my laptop. I lost all my work. It was a really, t- it was a tough week for me. You and know? you've lost your life. I lost my life briefly. Um, but then I kind of, the necromancer from the Princess Bride brought me back. Billy Crystal. <laughs> so that's what Rose has been doing. Hey, yeah. what have you been doing? I was cosplaying as the necromancer from the Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? My, my life's been boring in comparison to this. Yeah. <laughs> what a job you did, Nate, because I am oh, I alive and kicking now. Hey, look, cosplay, Never been more full of energy. Cosplay sort of raising the dead. Just a normal week. The ultimate cosplay. It actually is. being able to achieve the magic that your character... It's famous for. The actual cosplay is dressing up as Bill Cosby. Oh, unsavoury. Yeah, I'm not saying in good taste, I'm just saying. <laughs> i tell you what, if you've ever wondered what we do at um, Josephine Butler on the mound, it is oh, that. Don't. We dress up as characters from The Princess Bride and we bring <laughs> we dress, dead students back to life. <laughs> we dress up as Bill Cosby and stand there. Oh. <laughs> See, I'm not bored with the Bill Cosby bit. I don't like the guy. No. I, I know no. it's controversial to say, <laughs> yeah. don't like the man. Yeah. I'm going to go out and live here and say <laughs> this is an anti-Bill Cosby podcast. <laughs> More so than it is an anti-Emma podcast. That's a callback no. to the first week because for me, that was my last week. For you yeah. guys, you've had another week in between. Does that mean that in the afterlife, time passes like that? Oh, instantaneously. But at the same time, I kind of felt every the weight of every second. Mm. The weight of every the sin. The weight of every sin. I am completely free of sin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just let that one sort of... Hang in the air. Hang in the air. Like, Shall I move this on now? Does anyone remember <laughs> what we're here to do? Um, I seem to remember that we had a... Oh, Nate, your hand is up. I one. remember. Oh, well done. So we'll let... Uh, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, we are... Have, have a guess from our weird bit of bees earlier. Yeah, we are... Obviously, you know, to kind of preface this, um, as I'm sure some listeners are aware, we are a student theatre podcast. We review student theatre. We talk about it. We interview people who have produced Durham Student Theatre. Um, and this week... 
We have interviewed a couple people. Yeah, yeah. We've been busy bees. We've been busy little bees. That's clever. I like that. That is very clever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what we've been dancing around here very subtly yeah. is the fact that we went to go see the new student play When the Bees Come. Yes. We both saw it and we interviewed the director and writer. We went out and we interviewed them. We went. We were in the little underground stage, right? Yes. And we were hidden this underground is, stage. This is our pod... Oh my God. This we'll that- keep that one in. <laughs> Rachel's about five minutes behind <laughs> I was us. Trying to say, this is our this- hello, <laughs> welcome to behind the <laughs> Right, we <laughs> went. We. <laughs> what, I was to, what I was trying to say? Oh, was, it's been a long this, week, lads. It's, it's been, been, long it's been very windy. It's been windy. <laughs> <laughs> I I nearly fell off my bike going down the hill from like if right if anyone listened to this saw a girl like leaning mm. sideways on a bike going down a hill that was me <laughs> trying not to fall off I was terrified She's incredible if, if anyone saw an illegal rat mob that was Rachel and we won't talk about that for a couple that's weeks. a spoiler that's an Easter egg a little spoiler yeah. for next week no not, so, well, a couple weeks a couple weeks time so um, as we've said we went to go um, interview the um, director and producer of when the bees come. Um, it, underneath the stage in the Assembly Rooms Theatre, which is a really gorgeous theatre, yeah, by the way. So I nice. think it was really nice to get the chance to appreciate it not in the middle of a play. Yeah, um, we obviously we went to go see the play, but we also got to see it empty mm-hmm. um, during the week, and you get to really look at like oh, that, that ceiling is gorgeous. Yes. No, I'd like, I was looking at the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to paint. I'd like to paint my ceiling like that. I think it'd be really cool. Um, I love stars. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at all the stars that Rose had drawn on. Yeah, I've drawn stars. I've I got, I I got summative due on Monday. And this um, is what she does and so, <laughs> and so yesterday I went for a cute little study break to the butler bar, sat in the butler bar, called my sister for an hour and a half. And then they put in, rather than the sports, they put on Escape to the Country in the bar. And they played Bruce Springsteen. And I sat there and I drew on my arm and I watched Escape to the Country. It was fantastic. Still not done the essay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what a vibe. Excellent vibe. We Wait, we come back to this problematic yeah. situation yeah. later on. Yeah. Uh, let's not. I'll weep. <laughs> have what? we said? Have we said that we're doing? We're doing two things in this podcast. We're showing the interview, uh, the interview that we did previously in the week with the When the Bees Come yes. um, writer and director. Uh, we we're gonna review it because we saw it the other. We saw it yesterday. Yesterday. Yes, yesterday. yesterday night. Yesterday. Uh, and then we also have got a special guest in who is the organizer, director of the DDF, who's going to talk more about it, which is the du- uh, Durham Student Drama Festival. Yeah, very yes. exciting. So that will be coming later. So make sure to stay tuned. Mm. Um, but first... And I don't know, I'm going to float. Do we want to sort of very briefly, before we get into the whole interview of When the Bees Come, mm. do we want to give a quick overview of it? It's. It was on last night. It's very interesting. It's kind of um, horror slash family psychodrama, um, yeah. which tackles themes such as gender identity um, and addiction mental and health. mental health. Um, it's very interesting play. Really, really interesting mm. premise. Um, so have a listen. Yes. And, and apologies for the terrible audio quality. Okay. So this is the start of the interview, <laughs> and this is the end. Yeah. Um. <laughs> First, guys, could you just um, for the listeners and for for me as well, could you just give a, a brief kind of summary of the play that you're involved with and um, what like sort of um, happens in it? Not no spoilers, no spoilies. No spoilies. <laughs> um, but what happens in it and um, what kind of themes are what you're dealing with? I mean, you can give the summary without spoiling help. Yeah, I'm, I'm so bad at that. Absolutely. So, um, this play is about um, a non-binary character, Hestia, who is currently going through a lot with, who, of struggles with their um, gender identity and also figuring out 
who they are in life and at the same time they're dealing with their family who isn't always supportive and also um, with mental health as well and they experience these really surreal episodes where everything just kind of changes and they freezes and they see all these bees around them and it just kind of hounds them you know and it's just something that they're going through while trying to fight with um, who they are and trying to understand that and it's just a play about them coming to terms with everything that's going in their life right now. Sounds very cool. So yeah. it's kind of like a metaphor for their mind, like everything swarming around in the mind. And yeah, and the play is most, like, mostly about the experiences of like queer and trans people, but also uh, like neurodivergence and mental illness, especially um, the kind of mental illness and neurodivergence that like runs in families. Mm. Mm. And like the side effects of that and the fact that like, you know, if you, if several people within your own family also from the same thing, you'll, you'll often have like a hard time reaching out for help, especially if like the other members of your family are going like, oh, I've gone through this before, um, so you can go through it the same way I have and like other things like that. So like it's, I think it's a very specific kind of struggle being neurodivergent and mentally ill in a family where you're not the only one who is. And what do you think is um, good about the way the play deals with this? Like, what are the sort of interesting elements that you think make that a really good way of talking about these issues? I mean, what I, I mean, what I tried to do with the play is I tried to um, represent mental illness and like neurodivergence and like the stuff essentially that Hestia um, struggles with in a very realistic way that isn't just just depressing. Like, yeah. I don't want this to be a play that like people, people like this is a play mostly for neurodivergent people and for mentally ill people to watch and go like, oh, I enjoyed that, not to walk away and go like, oh, my life sucks and I got confirmation, from, I got confirmation of it by watching this play. Like, I, I, I didn't want it obviously to be like a romanticization of mental illness or anything like that. It's, it shows the struggles, it shows like no one in this play is truly perfect anyway. Um, Mentally ill people aren't perfect, and mental illness often like manifests in a way that causes mentally ill people to act in like not great ways either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like it is, I d- tried to make it as realistic as possible without making it like just sad. Like I, yes. I, d- I, l- I wanted to like bring a message of hope, oh, and I think yeah. it's a realistic message of hope because you know, like there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. I believe. Yeah, yeah it's really important because like. I don't know, it's just like to, when, you're, when it's sort of like really about kind of real issues, having it be like really bleak isn't like at all a kind of good kind of attitude to have, I don't think. Yeah. And it's like very nice to hear that it is sort of not kind of illegitimizing any of the, like any of the issues or anything, but it is sort of like kind of yeah. not going to be kind of, uh, I don't know. It's not going to kind of reinforce Definitely, cause next most, stuff in my life right Yeah, and those things in life are a mixture of like sort of a very happy then very sad, you know, it's kind yeah. of, it, it's almost more realistic to create a play, I think, like you say, it's a more realistic representation of living with neurodivergence, um, that there is light and dark rather than just dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very rare that we just experience dark forever and that's it. There's always a, a small moment of light. That's really interesting. So are you directing the play as well as having written it or are you working alongside a director? I have low you no idea what my role technically is. Before we do that, do you want to introduce your names? And oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done that yet. <laughs> we'll edit this to the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, we won't. The listeners will have to keep up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got them on the hot. Yeah. We need to keep them on the toes. Go on. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm Cecil O'Brien, and I am the writer of the play, and I've also, like, the directors have consulted me for, like, help with the play and helping bring my vision onto mm. the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Olga Kwan. I am a, the court director of When the Bees Come, and definitely, we do definitely work with CISO a lot in trying to get that vision really right and get the tone and everything, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So how abstract have you gone with this play? What does the play look like, do you think, or is going to look like on stage? So I'm just thinking in terms of, you mentioned the bees, that's maybe very literal. <laughs> well, how do the bees manifest? How have you decided to kind of like perform this? Mm-hmm. We've decided to unleash real bees. No. <laughs> <laughs> Stage, there's invisible bees. And yeah, just, like, extrapolate. <laughs> In collaboration with the Durham Beekeeping Society. Yes! <laughs> I'll tell you what, nobody was collaborating with them before. I felt so fast yeah. so for them. I mean, I stole some, some bees. I don't know fact. Yeah. No, 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 that's thievery. Wow. <laughs> they can get you for that Beavery. one. Beavery. Beavery. Yeah, cool. We can get you now, we've done it. to really manifest the bees and also as well we have our characters physically react to um, when the bees start coming in their episodes so with lights we have a very sudden change into this completely sickly yellow tone to really show that it's like the world is no longer um, everybody in it it's just this character and that mindset as well Mm. and of course we will have bee noises in the background that just slowly rise up with the growing intensity of the episode as well. And we also have um, some really special lighting that really casts this dapple effect on the character as if the shadows of the bees are all around them. And it's just Mm -hmm. this physical representation visually on stage Mm -hmm. and sound-wise as well. Mm. And so I got maybe one more big question. Um, I don't know if you guys got any more practical questions about the play. Um, I was just going to ask, you know, obviously we've touched on this already, but how important do you think representation is in theatre and representation of kind of marginalised groups and why do you feel like it's important that this play is being put out there? Uh, Well, especially in the realm of horror at least, I've also like I, the main reason why I've been like attracted to writing in horror is because in terms of like queer representation and trans representation, queer and trans people have mostly been the antagonists in horror. And that's why it was quite a, kind of important for me at least to write like um, horror material that was from the perspective of queer and trans people, especially given that so many of our struggles are stuff that like we don't even need to make up. We don't need to make up the like. We don't need to go to the theater to like face like f- sudden f- fear hiding in our homes or hiding in the shadows. Like we are very aware that there are people who are out there to get us. And I think that that can easily be trans transmitted into the horror genre. And I think that's why there are plenty of queer and trans people who are actually attracted to the horror genre and who come to watch so much so much horror content. Um, but there's also just the idea of. I also wanted to show neurodivergence, and once again, neurodivergent people and mentally ill people have also been the antagonists of a lot of horror media, 
there's like the stereotype of like the psychopath or like the person who, uh, who like is completely unhinged and who tries to hurt people. And that's just not the reality for most mentally ill and neurodivergent people. And they are often rather the victims of violence rather than the perpetrators. And I just wanted to like center these people who have been so marginalized by horror instead of centering them within a horror story. Um, yeah, absolutely. And something that really stuck with me is during the audition process, the casting process, we had so many people come in and they would do their piece really well and they just tell us, this is this is a play I have been waiting for for so long. I really, really want to get involved in this. And it was a lot of queer or neurodivergent people. And I think this kind of ties in with the opportunity to tell their own story, you know, because we have such a wonderful script written by someone who has actually gone through these things. And it's so accurate in what it tells and the story that it tells because um, it's not a romanticization of anything. It's not a very simplified version. It's very real and it's very day-to-day -day life. Like these are lines that are taken out of daily conversations that a lot of people don't know queer and neurodivergent people have with their um, family or their friends, you know? And it's just something that so many people have wanted to be a part of because it's finally a story that they can relate to and they can bring their own experiences into as well. And I think it's so important that people who want to and are ready to tell the story get the opportunity to do that through theater, you know, because I feel like there is no, there is an abundance of actors who are maybe straight or maybe neurotypical who could probably play this character like we wanted, wanted them to, but it's not as impactful than if we brought in say someone who has actually gone through this and someone who really really has been waiting for a script like this that wasn't written by a straight cis um, neurotypical person about a neurotypical story or whatever that's written specifically for their experiences and it's just I think there's something very cathartic about being able to tell your own story on stage and that's something that hasn't been in theater for a very long time especially with the love of people going back to classic scripts, which, as beautiful as it is, it's just not the same as something that's very written in this generation, for this generation, and this specific group of people who have been waiting for their turn to tell their story. Brilliant. You sound really, really interesting. Mm. Have you guys got any final... Because obviously it's quite, like, serious subject matter, and, like, how's it been, like, rehearsing it and kind of dealing with it like mentally like for the actors having to mm. put themselves in that position it could be quite mentally straining quite yeah emotionally and it, straining and it's like and it was like to direct it and to act it and everything and how we kind yeah. of like dealt with that and kind of communicate with the actors on that because like mm. i don't know it's yes even though we don't understand why like, subject matter really does kind of because i feel like with acting you have to have like a, a defense almost yeah. to, to yeah. protect yourself from feeling so much of that character where it actually affects you yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I feel like this ties in with what Cecil said about there being dark and there being light because it's very easy from an outsider's perspective to think, oh, if this person has experienced um, some mental health problems and they're going to play a, a character with mental health problems, then it's just going to be really heavy for them. But, it's that, but there's a fact that if you've kind of lived with a mental health problem or maybe you've lived with being queer for so long, You'd, it's not all dark, you know, and you, we all do find a lot of humour and a lot of light and joy in what we do, and I think we joke about this a lot, I think half of it is to help us to cope and half of it is just the 
realization that when you bring a group of people who relate to this play together, then you realize that your experience have not been your own, you know? So rehearsing this, we have been very, very fortunate that everybody has just dealt with the subject material so well. They've been able to joke with it and kind of relate to it in a way that, oh, I went through that too, you know? And it's just, and maybe, there may be a bit of dark humor involved in um, trying to understand and process everything, but I feel like everybody has just been really, really reacting well to this, and we've been very fortunate that, and we were able to support each other and tell our own stories throughout the rehearsal process as well, and that's kind of how we find solidarity as well as just managing to understand that this thing that has been so internal and feels so isolating is actually shared by a lot of people. So in a way, maybe being able to do this role and or maybe be in this production has actually helped them cope with the mental health topic. It will obviously be very heavy, but we do check in with them as directors and as members of the production team. We make sure that they're feeling okay about everything. And for the most part, it's been relatively okay so we've been very fortunate yeah we've been I, I think it was good that we also put multiple measures in place with like a welfare plan and everything to make sure that people could also like kind of just take a break if they needed to mm. and there have and there have been people including myself who've like taken like self-care days um uh when treating the material but so far it's been quite healthy i think their their rapport to it especially given that like we talk so openly about it and about everyone else's connection to the text and the struggles that they may have a connection to it that um, I think the communication was quite clear and we were always very aware if someone was going to have a problem with the script. Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really, really interesting. I'm really glad to talk to you about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Thank well, you so much for doing well, this. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, yes. Before we end, can I just take some time to shout out my amazing co-director? Oh, yes! yes. Okay. Yeah. Shout out! Like, oh. she isn't able to be with us here today, but she has just been so, so amazing, you know? And it's just, this play would not be what it is without her, so I just wanted to congratulate her on being such an amazing co-director, <laughs> and I'm so, so grateful that she has been with us throughout this entire process. Yeah. Ooh. And we love you, Kate! <laughs> we love you, <laughs> So, um, <laughs> either of you, what was your favourite element of the play? What was Ooh, something that I, really drew out? Because we you? both have the same one. My, <laughs> well, mine is... You go. Yeah, you go. Should we say it at the same time? Three, Three two, two, one. The beekeeper! beekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The beekeeper was incredible. I know. Oh, I just... The beekeeper is also in the play that I am assistant director of. She's part really? of the illegal yeah. rat mob. Goodness me. <laughs> we don't talk about. The bee the, just the concept of the beekeeper yeah. was so I, I was genuinely unsettled by the beekeeper. Um this will kind of if you've not watched the play, this won't make too much sense to you. But let's begin the review in a kind of more orderly way. Let's say yeah. we went to go see it last night. Um, it was roughly kind of, what was it, about an hour and a half. Hour and it, a half. it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a very time. long play. It was an average average time. Mm -hmm. um, fairly small cast, cast of about eight people, nine people. Mm. Uh, and there's a couple of doubling up on roles. I think that was done on purpose. Um, there was a sort of trio of actors that um, played sort of people outside the doctors and then a trio of actors that say that the same people played the friends yeah um and then it was kind of you know as was probably explained in the interview um it's sort of um well we'll, we'll say a bit more about the plot now because it's been on hasn't it yeah Not, no spoilies yeah um there's kind of um a main character named hestia um hestia um 
their father um, has had mental health issues and has had to um, like sort of be away from the family. He's on suicide watch. Um, isn't on, su- he? on suicide watch. Hestia has an older brother. Um, older sibling. Older sibling. I was. Th- I'm not sure. Randall. I thought I, Randall was he him. I thought he him, but had a boyfriend. Yes. That's how I. Read but it. I think. Yeah. Yeah, there was the mentioned. whole thing about a boyfriend. That was the interesting thing about the play is that, it, um, as was mentioned in the interview, um, Cecil, the the writer, really tried to kind of diversify the um, in, in terms of gender, in terms of expression, um, mm. the the actors and the actual characters that were in this play because um, it is essentially, you know, there was a horror side to the play, and that has been um, those have been groups that have been underrepresented, especially as well people with um, mental health issues. Yeah. Um, have been underrepresented in horror, um, and I thought that was—I thought they did that really well. I thought yeah. it was really kind of—it's not something I really considered before either. Yeah, yeah. And it just—I think it made you think a lot, especially yeah. when we were in the yes. interview as well, talking about it. I was like, it's really interesting seeing their perspective, Definitely. the writer's perspective. It's the whole like Silence of the Lambs thing, isn't it? They, yeah. they talked about like kind of the sort yeah. of vilification of this them fear. in horror. Yeah. yeah, the fear of something different. Yeah. And, well, like some almost something I think that it's outside of society's control. Mm. So you know the way that you, the way that sort of um, your mind works, if it works differently to the way sort of like um, the the hive mind ought to work, or if the way that you feel um, you want to express your gender or the way your gender is expressed that you kind of can see if that is different to the kind of binary that society yeah. wants to put you in, that is a scary thing for society because society likes sort of a certain element of calm and control yeah. um, and that is like sort of you know what horror tries to show is the kind of like the, the fears underlying that and the kind of the, the terrible consequence of that is that people from underrepresented groups don't get to see themselves in horror and th- this play acted as an expression on behalf of like a lot of people mm. who didn't have the voice and gave that voice to people um, and it also I'm not meaning to take away the words of the writer here at all but <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this play in particular made people think and I don't know if that was the main intention or was the main intention of expression but it worked if it was we Definitely. went away um, afterwards we just sat in the SU last night and we had a really long conversation about gender and about identity mm. afterwards yeah, we talked about it you know yeah. Like, yeah. it gets people talking mm. and it was a really interesting conversation it was an interesting conversation well, that's, the, that's, what's a, a, that's actually that's a good point and that's just made me think then that like you've got what they've achieved, I feel like, with that play is both sides. Um, and that's what representation does, is that, you know, people often make out representation to be just about the people who are being represented. You know, it's like sort of, it's, it's, it's fantastic that those people get to finally see themselves and express themselves and play themselves on stage. Um, the, it's sort of anyone who's from an underrepresented group, that's, that's, that, and that's incredible. And I think that is what that play has achieved. And that's what the mm. director and the writer seem to think um, it had achieved um, themselves. And they could see that. But it also, there's this dual side that means that when you are showing the stories of groups that you don't usually get to hear the story of um, from their own mouths, from their own perspective, then that teaches people who aren't in those groups something as well, you know? And it's like, it's really important for everybody to learn about that, which is like sort of really clever. I feel like I was so ignorant coming to uni Mm. that I hadn't really experienced a lot of things. And I've asked... I don't know when I come when I came across something at uni. I'm, I'm only in first year, so yeah. when I came across something that I didn't really understand, in a polite way, I just asked more about it because yeah. I didn't want to come across ignorant. I didn't want to c- come across unpolite or disrespectful. So I genuinely just like asked people mm. what they meant or how they how they felt, and I think that's something Definitely. that play really gets at. Yeah, that was re- I really liked that about it. It's really sort of really clever. Um, they also. 
Let me find. I'm looking for my notes. One of my notes that I'm just looking at now, this is such a random thing, but I really enjoyed the acting, the performance mm. of the brother, Randall. Yeah, Randall. Randall's I thought that, I thought they were really good. Yes. Mm. And just this one moment at the dinner table where he turns around and he goes really sarcastically, good. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. That yeah, just, if yeah. you're listening to this, well, then that was that was really yeah, funny. Maybe there were laugh. some like moments. There were some funny moments. I yeah. thought, definitely. Yeah, it's that kind of thing of like. I'm glad it wasn't all um, tried to be all, all horror and all emotion. There were some comedic mm. moments mm. in it. Yeah, it, it 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 really had that balance between like sort of it wasn't all horror. It wasn't all kind of like family drama. It wasn't all mm. just serious as well it was like um, oh I've just knocked my mic there <laughs> so much property damage um, <laughs> I'm destructive yeah, yeah it kind of it, 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 it threw an even balance I liked that although we were discussing weren't we that we felt sort of there could be the more. parts yeah the parts yeah. we really loved the parts that really spoke to me personally were the horror bits mm. the horror bits were fantastic they were when, really oh well my god done. when that okay if anyone hasn't seen this the beekeeper came out just before the interval the beekeeper comes mm. out and it's the first time we see them and they just step onto the stage yeah. and I got chills I was like ah, oh my Is god it, Incredible. Yeah. So the way they'd constructed Rosa it. Rosa coming back. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was what, how I came back into the studio. She's wearing um, a beekeeper costume now. I am. Nice. Um, <laughs> you can hear a slight muffledness because it's my huge mask. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. So the um, just to kind of like for the for any listeners who haven't seen it, um, the kind of sort of the growing part of the first, particularly the first act, was whenever Hestia um, has an episode. Um, everything to them turns strange and we get a yellowish sickly light um, the lighting was good lighting I like the lighting in it, yeah. I, I've written down love the yellow lighting I think yellow's a really interesting choice of colour because not only bees classic <laughs> but it also yellow is a kind of slightly sick colour yeah. isn't it it's, 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 it's not a scary no. colour like red there's something really unsettling about it really slightly wrong which is exactly what Hestia described their episodes as mm. being like in the play. Um, so I thought that was fantastic. So then Hestia has these episodes, um, they freeze, there's yellow lighting, um, and then all the other actors freeze and they start smiling and you hear growing sounds of bees buzzing in the background. And that continues. It's haunting. It's haunting. And it, as a, in a growing way as well, Hestia starts to see the audience and mm. become aware of the audience and, and, and cries out to the audience for help. But towards the end of the, of the first act, you, what you get is Hestia turning around and seeing a beekeeper step out onto the yeah. stage at the very back, just very, very slowly, very hauntingly stepping closer and closer, then turning around and going back. And then it comes more and more every yeah. time. And my goodness, I love the beekeeper. Yeah. yeah. It, shout out to the beekeeper. Shout out to the beekeeper. It scared me. It genuinely scared me. Yeah. No, I'd, it's something about like not seeing someone's face. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Like, true actually. Yeah, it just reminds me of like Doctor Who. Mm. <laughs> Gas masks in the Doctor Who. That um, oh Shrek my god, episode. don't even. Have either of you seen Candyman? I've not actually. Because not a great film, but one of the best things was having like a kind of figure that just sort of appeared and you could never see the face properly, mm. and it just sort of like it was a presence. Yeah. And that, Same with Woman in Black. Have you seen Woman in Black? Yeah. Um, yes. And she yeah, does, re- she does right, reveal yeah. her face, but she's got a veil on for most of it. And, yeah. and you lose it slightly when they take it off. Up until she revealed her Woman face, in Black is very possibly one of my favourite plays. Yeah. I did, play. I did my GCC drama on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love Woman in Black. The um, I was going to say as well, which is slightly less um, horror-based, um, the penguin in Wallace and Gromit. I was reading about yeah. that penguin. Guys, you have to leave Wallace McGraw. and Gromit. Okay. Feathers McGraw. Feathers McGraw. They, they want... No. 
Um, not my family listen to this, so <laughs> no. Um, We're doing a Wallace and Gromit Halloween costume next year. It's going to be excellent. But what yeah. I was going to say, I was gonna say. <laughs> what yeah. I read online is this idea that like um, the the reason that Feathers McGraw or the Penguin is so unsettling is because it is not expressive. All the characters in Wallace and Gromit are super expressive yeah. with their faces, and the the, the penguin just I stays completely yeah. still, and that's what unsettles you. And that's really and that's interesting. That's what the beekeeper is. That's done. what the beekeeper did. Yeah, was it was just you can't humans want to read each other's faces, and when you can't read somebody's emotions, you don't know what they're about to do, and you get this kind of unsettling feeling. That's also having all the people like sort of frozen with a single expression. Exactly of, the smile. I love. She's that, trying yeah. to get them to react, and they're just not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which really links in. It's very clever of them. I don't got goosebumps right now. This is making. Yeah. Be like, yeah. It links into that idea of like, you know, crying out for help and people mm. kind of like, you know, sometimes not being able to help you. That feeling of helplessness is really interesting. And I think we've all been through that to a certain yeah, extent. We can all, exactly. Like, even if we haven't related this to this play on like a, a gender front, we've related yeah. to it in other ways. Certainly. Yeah, mm. yeah. We all felt like we've those elements of it that we could relate to. And I think, you know, that is that again, that's the really important thing about representation, that it's sort it's easy when there is no representation of underrepresented groups, it's easy to believe that there is kind of this huge difference between all of us. And it's not until you allow people to tell their stories that you can then realise that almost everybody's story you can relate to on a very tiny, mm. teeny tiny level. You know, there's some elements, some crossovers and some overlaps that mean that we can all relate to each other. The, the the idea that is some kind of like otherness to people is so like manufactured. Mm, it's so kind definitely. of just based on sort of old fears and yeah, stuff. That like exactly. when you actually kind of when you know all the information, it's just like oh, it's like different, but it's not. But it's the same, you know. Like mm. on a kind of fundamental level, it's just, definitely. I was going to talk about the set as well. I have a kind of a couple of points on the set that I really liked. Um, there was oh so. There was a bed on the stage, and there was a, the bed was at an angle mm. <laughs> at the back of the stage. Stop you don't the like mic. that mic, do you? What did it do to you? I just I talk with my hands, darlings. <laughs> Actor, acting <laughs> talent, acting talent, darling. They're all like both of them are moving I'm their hands. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm I, I, I felt the audience could definitely tell. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it in my voice. There was a bed at the back of the stage. It was in the. Um, it was stage left in the back corner and it was at an angle um, and it <laughs> meant that the kind of when the um, when the brother um, when Randall and Hestia were sat together having this really deep conversation at one point it was Randall seated um, with his back to the bed and his legs up and it was Hestia they were sat on the bed and they their legs crossed and they were just ever so slightly kind of like sort of they were apart, but they were both facing the same way. They were in the same position. They were together. They were talking to each other. But it looked... I can't even explain why it visually appealed to me. But was, I love when you can get... It felt so natural, but so yeah, good to... I don't know. Exactly. It was like... If you're trying to stage someone in a space and have it act like they're mm. in a space, it just was like... Sometimes things just aesthetically look nice as yeah. well on stage. And I like when you can provide a snapshot. Because for me when I think of that play, I almost think of that snapshot. Mm. And that's that snapshot, I believe, really explains the play. It was, yeah. a lot of it was about, it's about family and that connection between Randall and Hestia and the generations and, you know, people trying to help each other through things yeah. that they have, like, sort of suffered through before. That was really, um, I think, really clever of them. Mm. It was, it was, it was I, I did enjoy the play. I think that it, it, it made me aware of my own feelings around plays I think I found some of it quite difficult to watch 
um, which was interesting for me because I've just ended up watching so many comedies I'm not really used to watching something that I find quite uncomfortable to watch <laughs> and I think sometimes that's worth it yeah mm. I say if you always watch something safe to a certain extent like well, not like safe, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you need a balance of it. because Definitely. I think, you know, we were talking about in the very first podcast when you were saying, like, you prefer the lights with a little bit of dark. Yeah. And I prefer the darks with a little bit of light. Yeah. So maybe it's just, like, the contrast in what we're used to. Yeah, definitely. It's outside my comfort zone, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, so to wrap the, wrap that up, yes. I think it was a sort of, it was a very interesting play. We especially loved the horror side of it. Um, we really enjoyed the themes, yeah. the way it dealt with it. Obviously, you know, you can hear all the kind of thoughts behind that in the interview that we had earlier on in the podcast. Um, and the bees, no longer my enemies. See, they are more my enemies now. They may have robbed <laughs> me. I hope they go extinct. Oh, that's not the message of this podcast. I hope that they thrive. This is an anti-bee podcast. This is a pro-bee podcast. Rachel, decide. Pro bees. Anti bees. Kill the bees. Fuck the bees out. Pro bees. Should we put a, put a poll on our story? <laughs> yes. Like, bro, bees, yes or no. <laughs> Should bees, we do yes that? No. For or against bees. <laughs> God. Okay, should we leave a pause and then. God, I hope they die. Oh, I hope they live. I hope they thrive. I hope they see heaven one day. Um, <laughs> moving on from bees. Yes. Talking of bees. Guess who's been a busy bee this week? Jodie Sale, the director. I mean, you stole my joke. Of the Durham Drama Festival. (laughs) You just think alike. The the director of the Durham Drama Festival, Jodie Sale, was in our studio um, just moments ago. Is in our studio. Yeah, it's um, a sort of time travel thing. Yeah, just this, roll with the, it. Uh, I can't help it. I glitch in and out of time now. There was a. It, like, it wasn't super effective. The magic that Nate put onto me. No, um, well, it was my first time doing it. I'll well, to, it's okay. I'll have to practice more. Yeah, you'll have to. You can with go. The again. crabs. That I believe Rose in you, <laughs> guys. No inside jokes yet. Yes, <laughs> I didn't kill any crabs. No. Um, that's that's down in writing. Should we post that picture of you with the dead crab? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just enjoy collecting things on beaches, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but Jodie Sale has been a <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Jodie Sale has been a busy bee this week. Um, and yeah, we've spoken to her. She is the director of the Durham Student Drama Festival, and she is here to talk with us today. Yes. Beginning. Yes, we Here started we go. now. We have started our interview with Jodie Sale. Hi, Jodie. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Do you want to just, first of all, um, introduce yourself and what your role is? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm Jodie. I'm a second year English student at John Snow, and I'm directing uh, Durham Drama Festival 2022, which is the 48th uh, Durham Drama Festival wow. to happen in Durham. It's very cool. Yeah. 48 years, man. That's hefty amount of years too fair younger than my parents but that's true yeah they're old we're fine <laughs> <laughs> they're old parents is so it? directing is that organising the entire thing mm. yes yes oh god it's <laughs> <laughs> a lot yeah, yeah. It's, so it's a role that is on like the DST um, committee so it's kind of like a mm. big a big part of where DST all comes together and um, lots of obviously different theatre companies and uh, students entirely make the festival so yeah. um, from writing directing acting it's very much student written made by students festival so did you decide which um, which plays and uh, student written theatre was going to go into the DDS yes yeah, so basically my I um, appointed in a committee a DDF exec committee and we decided as a group um, basically um, so um, my basically process of um, directing the festival was getting that committee together 
then opening applications for scripts, and then opening applications for production teams, and then opening auditions, and then organising opening nights. Um, so that's kind of been the process. So did you organise all the auditions? That wasn't the prod team's role. Um, I did things like um, book the rooms, and it had to basically we had to organise things slightly because a lot of actors were sort of asked for for a couple of plays, and they obviously couldn't be in the plays that happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit of like. Um, figuting out like spreadsheeting making sure that yeah. people were offered their roles and things like that so that was that was where my organizing came in but the prod teams obviously watched all the editions and mm. um had to say over those kind of things cool so uh, i oh, go on nate uh i was gonna say like ballpark figure how many people do you reckon have like worked on it because it's opening today uh, opening ceremonies tonight ceremony th- the opening ceremony they pass the torch down the durham yeah. river <laughs> up to the cathedral <laughs> <laughs> and then you burn down the theatre. Yeah. Um, but how many people, like, roughly would you say, have worked on getting it already, like, and kind of in the sort of rehearsal and, like, production side of it? Is it, like, I don't know, how, like, how big a kind of thing are we mm. talking? I definitely think there's over 80 people, like, oh, God, I know about, like, sort of, like, production teams and, write- and writers and directors and um, actors. But then I know that, that beyond that, um, we've worked quite hard with, like, the Durham marketing team and obviously the mm. staff at the AR and um, we've um, done a collaboration with um, Durham University Composing and Musical Scoring Society. So oh, nice. yes, yes, I do. Yeah, I've heard so of them. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they've done some composing on the work as well and they're not they're sort of listed on my... So it really is fully student-created. Yes, it's entirely student-created. Is there any, um, like, sort of anyone older than a student involved? Um, so the staff members at the AR... Head of theatre, Alice Alcott, and yeah. um, head of tech, James, have been very helpful Brilliant. and supportive. What was your criteria? Sorry, Rosa. What was your criteria right. for deciding upon which student plays you were going to put forward to be actually presented and performed? Um, basically, quite often in the past, um, there's been a theme for the festival, and in fact, most years there's been a theme. But I really didn't want a theme this year. Sort of my vision was that I just wanted really diverse plays. Like I wanted it to be a range of material, like both in genre, subject matter, and style. So I really like how this year there's sort of, sort of in location, and uh, at least it sort of ranges from Shanghai to Hungary to Austria and Italy, and also in time periods, and also. Um, it's um, in topic as well, which I really like. We've got a mixture from like farce to absurdism. Like it's really, mm. I like. So basically, uh, in picking the program, that was a factor, um, and also just um, how much my committee enjoyed reading the play and whether <laughs> they wanted to see whether they wanted to see it come to life. So. How many plays were submitted? Um, I can't remember exactly. How but many. like a lot. Do you yeah, think? we yeah. Yeah. yeah, must have been a big job working your way through all of yeah. those. Yeah, and I like the idea as well. I think of like sort of the theme really is just theatre, isn't it? It's kind of like sort of I like that. The, yeah. yeah, yeah, the breadth of theatre, the kind of like anything you can do with theatre, the possibilities. That is the theme. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing to have because it's sort of it's more creative. Yeah, and it's like kind of the theme is kind of student theatre anyway. Yeah. like it's not like you're kind of casting a really wide net. You're casting it to like a specific mm. group of people, and it's just sort of what they kind of whatever they can like come yeah. up with exactly and that is something you can do in student mm. theatre like sort of you know we're all living in the same city especially somewhere like <laughs> Durham it's like slightly smaller you know we're kind of like sort of 
um, it's everybody is in one place, but they've got all these diverse yeah. ideas. Nobody's got into that kind of niche theatre community yet because no. it's not even, there's not enough of us. Yeah, and so you can with student theatre bring all of that together, and that's that sounds like it's what you've done. It's really interesting. I was just going to ask, um, kind of to to almost to roll it back a little bit. Your second year. So, did you go to the Durham Drama Festival last year? Was there a Durham Drama Festival last was year? Was there a Durham Drama Festival last year? Because <laughs> we know it was a little bit complicated. So, what was your um, experience of that, and how has that impacted how you wanted to run it this year? Uh, so, last year, um, the Durham Drama Festival happened online, which was amazing, oh. an amazing feat, to be honest, mm. to have a festival still when we were in complete lockdown. So yeah. Second term, a lot of people were not even returning to Durham. Um, and it was very um, impressive how a lot of uh, online material was brought, brought, was made available to access. And I actually reviewed a show, um, as you guys obviously like reviewing. I, actually, <laughs> I reviewed a show and I thought, wow, this is really cool um, that this is student written and it's got such a great platform. Um, and, and even before I came to Durham when I was applying, I saw that they had a festival and I was like, that is so unique to A, mm. have a festival, be run by students and C to be entirely student written. Someone mm. who who wrote my own play on my I had a gap year and I sort of wrote my own play and took it to oh, a, wow. took it to a county festival and I like, really and it was such a like an amazing thing for me to be able to put out my own work and to be able to have the opportunity and I thought I don't it shouldn't be lost at uni like you should mm. still be able to do it. it should be time and it should be a space for it it shouldn't just be sort of you know the classical plays or the canon like it's mm. important that there's a space at uni so basically. Um, sort of from my background of my gap year from applying to Durham and knowing there was a festival and then from watching it in its online version last year I was like I really want to I really want to get to mm. play my part in this when it's back in person and um, but the cool thing is is that this coming off, off the back of it being online is that this year we're trying to have a bit of a hybrid festival so we're going to film all the plays and make them available online and we're also submitting all of them virtually to the National Student Drama <gasps> Festival which oh, wow. exciting. how exciting is that? So, um, which is always normally sort of done in person and a bit more complicated and a bit more expensive but uh, this year <laughs> we will send them all off so it'll be to, for NSDF 2023 based on when mm. updates are but basically it's uh, exciting that we sort of have the sort of uh, practice to do that yeah and to allow that space as well that's what I love about yeah. student theatre I don't know if it's the same in other unis like I don't know but I love here that there's such a freedom of expression and a space to be able to to do that it feels mm. like such an open platform yeah yeah I liked about the plays that are being put on that I can really hear different voices in them like one of them uh, in fact a few of them are from uh, queer writers and it's such a different uh, sort of um, story that I would never have come across or I find it really hard to come across even in my, I don't know, I did an English degree like even mm. there or go watching theatre in Durham so I, I really enjoyed being able to put that on stage and also um, we've got an international student who's written a play which is nice as well and to hear about their story and then also um, somebody's um, got um, writing about the Hungarian Revolution, things that happened there, which I would never have come across. And freshers, um, I ran some supportive um, playwriting workshops in first term to like, help anyone who was like scared to submit a script. Um, and they sort of went to that and then, then submitted their script, which I think might not have happened if they hadn't had that support. So basically that was very rewarding for me and I like that that's like, something people can enjoy this week. Brilliant, yeah. That's a really impressive thing to say that you've done that as well. 
that you've like, taken the time to be mm. able to give people that space yeah, and give yeah. them the confidence. I feel like I feel that in eight days, but it's not actually yeah. <laughs> yeah. pulled it Definitely. off yet. <laughs> so how has this last week been? How has the kind of like it all coming together been? <laughs> She's rolling her I eyes know. for the listeners. <laughs> Wincing in pain. Um, I, had a, I don't know what I can say this, but I had a summer to do in like, oh, oh like, no, I, I don't know, do second year, but like, really, at the same time, it was kind of a bit of like, I feel like it was like DDF, summer to sleep, repeat. Yeah. I, I forget yeah. that we're doing a degree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are doing a degree. <laughs> but I think this yeah. week would have been fine without that. Um, but yeah, I've been, um, but recently, I really, I really need to say is that the festival is so good for also learning and development. So four industry professional judges are coming to judge the festival. Um, we're having a BBC executive producer, a local Durham playwright, uh, a Durham alumni actor, um, Phil Davis, who's been in things like Sherlock, and... Um, I, saw, I signed up to the workshop. Yeah. Yeah. I signed up to, I'm so excited. Yes. And um, ASJ, who's um, set up our own theatre company, just amazing they're all coming and they're going to run feedback sessions and do awards and a big Olivier's award ceremony so that'll be exciting Ooh. people to like learn and develop and they're running workshops and there's going to be six workshops on a range of things from um from like a mock audi- shakespeare mock auditions to um qu- like a sort of question and answer with a script editor like those kind of things um and i really want to advertise that to anyone in it who does this because it's such great opportunities for like career development and networking and i feel like again that's not sort of when we come to durham we, we're quite good at putting on plays but we don't always sort of learn or get a chance to sort of I don't know, develop, like reviewing's a great way mm. of getting feedback, but sometimes it's nice to feel it from, hear it from like a, an expert. So that's another great thing that I like about the festival. Yeah. Just for the listeners, where would you find it to sign up? Is it, it's on the Instagram, isn't it? There's a, there's links on there. Yeah, so links on our, all our social medias. Um, you can also go to um, Durham Student Theatre, Durham Drama Festival website. So the, so in the Durham Student Theatre website, like just search Durham Student Theatre, and then you can go on Durham Drama Festival as well and that link to our website is also on Facebook and on our posters and things like that but there's DST workshops Instagram isn't there yeah mm. social media is much like quicker and the Facebook events are there so you'd probably yeah. Quickest, yeah. But if you wanted to read about the judges or anything about the plays then the website's quite good as well we can put a link to all of that yeah, yeah we, we can put it on our this. Yeah, yeah, yeah we can great. yeah that, I really so. uh, the limited availability so sign up now yes hey. <laughs> definitely it's, I think it's a really interesting opportunity as well because it's obviously you can go see the plays. Yeah. You can participate in the plays, but there's limited opportunities there, obviously, because you have to have a certain amount of cast. But this is a way for like anybody who's interested mm. in theatre to get equally involved and have as many opportunities. You know, it's really broad. Yeah. A world of possibilities. I thought you were going to start I singing thought you were about then. to start doing, <laughs> the, doing the Charlie and the Chocolate. Is it Charlie and A Trump world of your imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I would never. <laughs> Me and Roald Dahl have beef. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go into it on the podcast. <laughs> this is an anti Roald Dahl podcast. And you can I have to deal with them too. He's a lovely old entire man. Podcast. And you can quote Rhoda on that. <laughs> you can't quote me on that. No, he seems like a nice old guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was from Denmark. I think he was from Denmark. On his oh, way. No. One of those countries. Is there anything else that you haven't brought up about the DS? About Roald Dahl. No, about the doom. No, I was just going to say my cousin's a Norwegian just slip into conversation. That's the kind of content we want on this podcast. That's what the listeners are looking for. nothing to do with the festival. How are they enjoying that? Are they enjoying being Norwegian? What? Now we're getting into it. Yeah, she's here to interview. Yeah. I mean, with COVID, I've not seen them in a while. Oh, of course. 
But we brought him into the studio. <laughs> oh, no, no. Shout out. Yes. Shout out to Jodie's cousins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, did you ask if there's anything else I wanted to say about the festival? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you want to, like... Any final things you want to add? Uh, just, like, on the why to come and watch the shows is that it is... Um, it's six pounds for a student to come and see. Oh no, is it five pound fifty? Okay, never mind. It's, it's one for it's just for, it's cheap. For, it's cheap. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just over a fiver yeah. based on whether you're a DST member or, or a student. But basically, it's not very expensive to come and see three plays that no one's ever seen before. Mm. That student, you know, these writers, they met. This is their first chance to sort of experiment with their voice. Their first, well, not the first. They might have done something else before, but it's a early. We're all students. So yeah, we're yeah. all students. So it's a great. It's really important that that's supported and. Um, and it's it's and the programs all vary in like what you're being what you get to watch. So it's a great all round night out. Mm. Um, so yeah, I would just say tickets. And mm. yeah, if you need to know any more about that, it's Wednesday uh, the third of February to mm. nope, Saturday. it's Wednesday the second of February. Yeah, because I can't get dates either. Yes, <laughs> it's, Wednesday, right. it's Wednesday the second of February to Saturday the fifth of February. So. Definitely. Yes. I was about to say, I think it's very, it just occurred to me that that is like sort of, it's a really good point that there's a range of plays. And sometimes I find that I get like, I decide what kind of play I want to go see and I go and see it and I enjoy it. But then other times I've been forced to go to see plays that I don't like, sort of, I, I, I'll go, I'll support it or I'll go and I'll kind of, um, I'll like sort of my, like my auntie's got tickets or something like that, you know, and I'll go with her. And it'll be like a really, really good night because I've tried, you know, and I've sort of, um, I've opened my mind. And sometimes you find plays that you didn't expect to like that are actually fantastic. And that happens often, I think, with student theatre. And so give it a chance, you know, go see a range of plays, find out something new, find a yeah, new genre that you, you wouldn't enjoy. normally go and see. Yeah. Be surprised. Be surprised. Lovely. Yeah. I mean... My question: Have you got like a favorite? How much do you know about like each of the individual plays? Have you got like she can't give a favorite? I was I was going to ask this and I decided I probably can't. Can she? Okay. Well, I first of all, well. I, I do. I read all the plays and I've enjoyed all the promo of all the plays, and I like them all very equally. And you should go see all of the plays. <laughs> yes. um, that was a good answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very politically. Um, yes. Yes. And it's, it. and it's worth making your way to like Mark, Mark Hillary and Matt Oswald, not just to go to some mm. of the rooms because there's nearby. Like, there's some really great work there. Yeah. I'm interested to see the, the theatres like in Collingwood as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a really nice space. Um, and obviously Mark Oswald's a brand new uh, building, so yeah. and it's really um, it's a, actually, and you do get to see the range of Durham as well that way, though. Yes. Don't you? So mm. and you know there's a way of it's seeing all eight plays in three days if you wanted to. If you're a real yeah. really committed, guys, we're it. gonna do this. <laughs> this is the new bar crawl. The new college <laughs> bar crawl. <laughs> Go and see all the plays. Yeah, and there's an opening night tonight, which just got different. I know that this will be too late going out. Yeah, by the time this airs, yes. but uh, I assure um, you, we you will, enjoyed it. If you think we will, you will all have had fun. Yeah, um, which has got different types of writing, like poetry and monologues and sketch comedy and things like that. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you very much for coming. Oh, it's nice seeing you. Thanks for advertising. Mm. Is this our first in-studio interview? I think so. Thank you so much for coming. Thank it was you. really lovely to have you. It's been really interesting. I'm very, very excited about this. Yes. yes. I can't it's wait. Brilliant. Fantastic. So, great interview with Jodie there. Yes. We'd love to talk to Jodie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we've definitely Sorry, we not... time-travelled. We've definitely so not weird. just time-travelled and paused for a second, played the interview for you, and then come back again and pretended <laughs> so that we weird. didn't. Yeah. Um, it's a, we'll this get is, better at it. It's showbiz, baby. 
Showbiz. It's showbiz. You this right here. We'll let it slide. It's fine. So we should we do loved... a shout, shout out to our Instagram? Yes, we um, love talking to Jody. Thanks yes. so much, Jody, for coming again. Yes. Um, Get your tickets. Can't wait for the drama. Yes. yes. And make sure um, hop onto those workshops. They sound really interesting. We will be going ourselves. Um, yes. You you can't get have too much practice, I think, and you can never get too much advice. That's that's no. what I believe. Everyone, everyone mm-hmm. gives different advice. Exactly. Know? You can always always take as many opportunities as you can because you're surrounded by opportunities here at university, I think, in a way that you, that people often aren't, you know, the kind of like the further on you get in life. We're provided with all these different opportunities. I personally am going to take them. Yeah. Um, so we'll shout out to our the Gram, the Grammy. <laughs> um, and we'll also do a little bit of a shout out to the, um, the Grammy of the Durham Drama Festival and Durham Student Theatre Workshops. So, uh, and me. And Nate. Oh, Na- follow Nate's Instagram. <laughs> follow at Nate on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, pod- our podcast Instagram is behind underscore the underscore curtain underscore pod. You can find any of our link to our episodes, which is on our highlights on our Instagram, mm. or you can just go onto Spotify and search Purple Radio Definitely. Arts and Drama. You can also, we've got a form in our bio, we say every time. Um, you can either get in contact with us through that form if you want to um, come on the podcast to talk about a show. Um, or if you want to us to go and see your show there's a link to Rachel's email there's also uh, an opportunity within the form we'll be working on a separate form for that at one point um, if you have any thoughts about a play do get in touch we'd like to know it's um, just on the form on our exactly bio, it's just yeah. on the form in our bio just like let us know we, we really want to hear your opinions and so we can talk about them more we don't want to just have our three opinions um, it would get boring um, so never never <laughs> so the Durham you Student Theatre workshops I've got no idea that was a bad Michael Caine impression from Nate I'd there. like to see you do better this has been since <laughs> Freshers Week you have got no idea I'm, I'm, seeing, now. I'm seeing double five <laughs> Michael Caines <laughs> so the workshops in two and a half portions <laughs> right the Instagram yes sorry <laughs> follow at Michael Caine on Instagram is he on Instagram probably oh my god imagine do you want to look I'm going to find now Nate's <laughs> Right, so at DST underscore workshops is where you can find the workshops. You can find the link to booking them. um, And it's also on their Facebook. Um, And then finally, um, Durham Drama Festival is um, at DDF underscore 2022. Make sure, again, can't stress this enough, a range of really interesting, new, vibrant, student-written theatre. Why wouldn't you want to go? What are yeah. you doing with your week? Huh? Yeah. Huh? I can tell you. Going you to DDF. Going to DDF, aren't oh, you? We'll hook better. you down. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.